An excellent day, my friends, different parts around the world. This is Dr. Harry Benjamin reaching out to you from Lagos, Nigeria. I'm doing the podcast series of teachings that we have been doing for some time now. And uh, I'm very excited, very thrilled, um, and you know, for the privilege to share with you. Uh, I'm a transformational speaker and teacher, uh, life coach. And I'm very grateful and thankful for the opportunity to um, be a part of your experiencing uh, life and also, you know, in helping um, those who have been listening uh, to help them to transform their lives by sharing principles and practices that are truly um, beneficial. You know, as I promised, uh, this call tonight uh, is dedicated to sharing uh, some aspects of my own personal walk, my own personal journey. And uh, it's dedicated to us being, uh, recognizing what's known as enlightenment. And uh, what does this mean? You know, what does it uh, entail in terms of our process? Uh, very thrilled about the opportunity to talk to you about this. Uh, of course, you know, when people first hear the word enlightened, and uh, if you go to the Oxford Dictionary, the, or the dictionary online, you generally find um, terms referring to you know a higher level of intelligence, or referring to somebody who is very um, intelligent, you know, uh, has a lot of information or a clear understanding of uh, principles and concepts. Uh, the word enlightenment um, that I'm referring to tonight is someone who has become aware of a higher order of being, right? Someone who is aware of a higher order of being someone who is aware of their higher self, uh, someone who is aware of the God aspect of themselves and is very aware of this. Of course, there are different um, stages and phases of this process uh, of what's called enlightenment. And I'd like to start with this, you know, that each person here uh, is already enlightened. Uh, each person on the planet is already enlightened. Uh, there's no being that's not already enlightened. The difference is the awareness of that enlightened state. That's what differs from one to another. Um, some people are aware of their enlightened nature, and majority of people on the planet at this stage in human history are unaware of their enlightened nature. Uh, and, you know, just to share with us, you know, my own journey in terms of becoming aware of my enlightened nature, and, you know, and at this stage, of my own life experience, I am a very happy individual. Uh, and my happiness is not based on situation, circumstances, people, places, or things. Uh, my joy comes from within. Uh, and it's unassailable. You know, it's untouchable. You know, uh, and I'll share with you some testimonies in a short while. My peace is also from within. Uh, my, you know, my love is from within. 
So I'm no longer an outside in person. I live life from inside out. And over the years, uh, you know, I've been through a lot of different experiences. And uh, some people who are close to me are aware, of, aware uh, meaning that they've experienced it with me. And, I, you know, I'll share one very recent experience with you guys. Uh, so recently, you know, in Nigeria, I have a driver. And, uh, you know, he's been with me a little over a year. And in, you know, he's quite aggressive. He had crashed the first car. Uh, I had a camera at one time. And very soon after getting employed, you know, he, he was distracted, paying attention to something along the side. He didn't see a lady that was cutting across him. And, uh, you know, he, they, the two cars collided. And, you know, I went out, I came out, you know, looked at it, and, you know, I told him to get back into the car, and we drove off. And no argument, no force. I didn't quarrel with him. I didn't quarrel with the lady. Uh, she was wrong. And, um, you know, we just went about our own business and, you know, fixed the car. And he was panicking, thinking I would, you know, I would be really upset. What would I probably do? So, you know, uh, over time, um, you know, tried to guide him, but, he, you know, he always drove very fast. Anyway, one evening, just in early June, or mid-June, I think it was mid-June, I sent him to deliver a um to yeah to deliver something i think some money to someone that i owed some money to and i asked him to go deliver the money to the person and uh he actually you know on a very small road was driving very fast he called us or we called him to ask him where he was because he was late in coming back to pick me up in this place called victoria island in lagos and uh when he was coming when i called him he said the car got a brush so, okay, so we went there expecting to see a brush. <laughs> Only this is the car. It was, you know, it was in a light pole and um, over the side of the of the curb. The back wheels were up in the air, not touching the ground, and the earbags were out. So it was, it was quite a brush <laughs> that he had. Then he was saying that this truck driver brushed him and went on, and, they, you know, they, they tried to catch the driver, and they caught the driver, and how the driver was wrong, and, but I realized he was just speeding. So I said, you know what, um, you know, I love you. His name is Abu. And I said, you know, I love you and uh, you're my brother, but, you know, we, we can't continue this work relationship. That It, it ends today. And, um, and I carried a little bit of unforgiveness for, uh, I can't remember exactly how long, but I remember seeing a group of, um, he, he's Muslim and he's from the north. So, you know, I, I remember seeing a group of Muslims, you know, in the attire that he normally wears. And I could feel a little angst towards them. And that's when I realized I was still carrying something for him. And I did more forgiveness work. I was able to release it. Uh, he, he, you know, even, he even, even had his salary. Um, he had asked me to keep his salary for, for the month of May. And, of course, you know, there were some days he worked in June. Because it was about mid-June that the accident happened. And, you know, at the end of it all, I paid him his salary, Right. Uh, he was worried that I was not going to give it to him. I said, no, I, I wouldn't keep your money. And um, I gave him his salary, and I gave him an additional 5,000 naira on top of his salary, right? Uh, 5,000 naira is uh, about $15 U.S., right? You know, um, so I gave him that you know, in addition to, to what he was owed, uh, which was about, uh, I think, 80,000 naira. So I gave him a total of 85,000 naira. In total, so saying that to say, you know, how is it that one is able to 
have something like that happen, not get upset, not get, you know, um, disappointed or become depressed, you know, um, worried, anxious about how will the transportation work. And I had meetings the following day. I took uh, taxis to get to my meetings and I didn't go telling team members, hey, you know what happened last night? We had this accident, you know, for, in fact, some people didn't even know. Some people probably are finding out about an accident um, by listening to this podcast right now. So, you know, how is it that one is able to actually endure that type of situation without losing one's cool? Because I'll tell you this, you cannot do that by willpower. Uh, You cannot do that by might. You know, you cannot do that by trying to remain positive or having happy talk, right? Uh, You know, I could give you several examples of my own. And uh, since we're talking about my process, I guess I'll share another one. And my mother, you know, uh, my biological mother, um, the one who gave birth to my body. And uh, so she, you know, she was going through an ill, a period of ill health. And eventually she, um, you know, passed. And when she was, the, the day that, you know, I was aware that she was in hospital, I couldn't travel to Jamaica. She was in Jamaica. I was in the U.S. And I couldn't travel at the time. And um, so the lady that was taking care of her called me to tell me that, you know, my mom just passed. And I said, okay, no, no. I was right in the middle of a meeting with a, with a potential partner um, for the business that I do. And uh, so during that moment, I said to her, you know, I, I cannot, um, you know, speak right now, but I'll call you back when I'm done. And I went back to my meeting. I finished my meeting. I did everything that I needed to do to complete the meeting. Because in, in, in my mind, okay, you know, so she's transitioned. There's nothing I can do at that point. So there's no point disrupting my meeting and dropping my meeting uh, because I got this, this uh, bit of news. So afterwards, uh, you know, I called back and, you know, we spoke and I explained to her what she needed to do. And, of course, you know, the news started to spread. Uh, my cousin uh, in New York, she called me to say, Ben, you know, uh, wow, and she was all, you know, discombobulated and crying. And she just said, how are you doing? You know, and uh, I said, man, I'm doing amazing and grateful. <laughs> so she stopped, you know, like, huh? Ben, you know, how are you doing? Ben is my um, childhood name, okay? <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my childhood name, short for Benjamin. So, uh, and I said, man, I'm doing amazing and grateful. So she, she thought something was wrong with me, right? So she, she, she said, okay, okay, all right. So she called me back later in the night because maybe she thought that, you know, uh, you know I, I hadn't really gotten the news, you know, really well. Maybe the news hadn't sunk in yet. You know, it, it, <laughs> I needed more time to come to reality. So she called me again and I said, Ben, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing amazing and grateful. Her name is Claudette, you know, my cousin in New York. And uh, she, you know, she, she said, how could you be doing amazing and grateful your mom just passed? And I said, well, you know, the truth is that, you know, she didn't die. You know, her body, you know, is no longer going to be on the planet. But, you know, life doesn't die. You know, it's just life after life. You know, and I asked her, so where, where is better? You know, heaven or earth? Where, where, where is a, a nicer place to hang out? <laughs> so, so she said, heaven. So I said, okay, so that I shouldn't be upset that my mom is in heaven and I'm still on earth. <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, you know, I know some people might be like, ha! You know, you know, thinking that one is maybe lacking emotions. 
Uh, but it's it's not that. It's 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 an enlightened perspective. It's a an understanding of life at a higher level. Uh, so one would not be sad about changes like those uh, when one is aware of one's enlightened nature. So. Uh, you know, in the night she called me again to call me. No, the following day, because she says maybe, you know, it was the first day. So she said, oh, Ben, so how are you really doing? And I said, I'm doing amazing and grateful, Claudette. So she said, you know, Ben, you need to teach me what you're doing. <laughs> you need to tell me what, because I, I mean, I'm not doing amazing and grateful right now. So it was pretty interesting. So that same evening of the news, when, when that happened, I had a meeting planned. And to do a presentation, and I went and did the presentation. Nobody has to know that uh, you know someone transitioned off the planet earlier today, you know. And I sometimes ask individuals, how long does it take to get over a loved one that transitions? And you know, some people will stop and pause, and then they recognize that oh, you know, it's a personal thing, right? You know, it's it's something that you will determine how long it is for you. Now. This, this aspect of our being, right? All of us have this aspect of our being. What we have called the higher self, you know, what you call God consciousness, Christ consciousness. Uh, there are many different words now, you know, um, the Buddha field, the Krishna consciousness. There are many terms being used, the unified field of awareness. There are many different terms today that try to describe that aspect of ourselves, which is our higher nature, that aspect that I referred to in the first podcast known as the I am, that I am, the I am aspect of our identity, which is eternal, never had a birth, and can never die. So that aspect of ourselves is our enlightened nature. And one of the byproducts, the byproducts of it, I could tell you, of becoming aware, when you're, when you're aware of that that is your identity when you now know your I am as you and I don't mean understand it theoretically but you know it the way you know breath is coming through your nostrils you are very stable mentally it, it imbues you with mental strength it imbues you with perspicacity it imbues you with acuity it, Im it imbues you it lifts you up with joy with peace, you know, you are transcended. You are actually living in the secret place of the Most High, as described in the Psalms, where no hurt or danger can come nigh your dwelling place. It is a, an absolutely wonderful place to live from. When you're living from that identity, when you know this, then you don't, you don't need anyone, you don't need anything, you don't need anything from the world. And what happens now is that you become more effective because you're able to bring your qualities to the world. You're able to bring abundance to the world. You're able to bring peace to the world. You're able to bring joy, bring love. You know, you're able to bring abundance. You're able to bring the qualities of heaven to earth into the experience of you and those around you. It's, it's a wonderful place to live because it means that if you're engaged, let's start with something very basic like a, a, a relationship with a spouse, right? When you're in a relationship with a spouse and you are unenlightened, there's a tendency to need the other. There's a tendency to blame the other uh, for your feelings. There's a tendency to want the other to do things to make you happy 
or believe that the other could do things that makes you unhappy. Right? You know, there's a tendency to, to, to have a sense of uh, when a person is not around, you miss them dearly. When they're around, you know, you, you, you feel better and sometimes you feel miserable, <laughs> depending on, on uh, what's going on at the point in time. But when you're enlightened, right, you know, whether the person um, does something for you or doesn't do something for you, it doesn't affect your joy. You know, and, in, and in instances like that, sometimes the, the other who is unenlightened, if you're enlightened and your partner is unenlightened, or you're unenlightened and your partner is, un, is enlightened, uh, what tends to happen is that the unenlightened individual tends to think about the others not caring about them, not, you know, not having emotions. But it's not that the enlightened being doesn't have emotions. The emotions are there, but the emotions do not drive behavior. They are noticed, but they are not the point of choosing. Enlightened individuals are able to float above their emotions and choose from a higher place and not be directed by emotions. It's a beautiful place to live from. So what happens is that your happiness is coming from within. Your joy, the peace of mind is coming from within your soul. So regardless of what happens in the circumstantial world, you know, and I'm using a personal relationship as, you know, your spousal relationship or girlfriend, boyfriend, or children. But the relationships that we normally would use as a, a resource, and in, and in some of us, in some instances, end up using it as a source for happiness, a source for peace of mind. Uh, thinking that, you know, when I'm around my family, family is what life is all about. Without family life, life becomes meaningless. So we, we attach our sense of being okay to people and some of us may attach it to a place you know some of us may attach it to things you know automobiles having a, a nice car having enough money in the bank uh, having somewhere very nice to live a well-decorated home or, or apartment and then these become our sources of being okay whether it's happiness or being at peace and when you're living that way you're really living life in reverse you know, we're, we're, you're living life backwards. We spoke about what that, that, that spells. If you look at the life lived, L-I-V-E-D, and you spell it backwards, you'll see that it spells the devil. So, you know, you, you, you'd want to, in a sense, aspire to this aspect of your being. And everybody has it. You know, everybody has it. But it's a matter of being aware of it. And when you become aware of it, you'd, you become unbotherable. Right? You, you become unbotherable. Also, your needs start to be met almost automatically. Uh, you know, things start to happen for you that some people would call miraculous. Right? You know, things start to work out for you that you couldn't work out on your own. Connections start to be established. Doorways start to open. And a lot of things start to happen for you. You start to find your way out, out of something that was, to you, there was no way out of this particular situation, and a way is made that you know you could not have done. You know, and I could give many examples of that that have been happening to me over time. So I love, absolutely love this state of being. You know, it is absolutely wonderful. And each of us here, in essence, your destiny is that state of being. Your destiny is joy, is peace, is love, is abundance, is prosperity, is wholeness, is perfection. You know, it's poise, confidence, resourcefulness, innovativeness, genius, right? That's your destiny. You know, each of us on this call, we're already, we're already as spiritual as we'll ever be. 
<laughs> you know, sometimes you could think you can become more spiritual. You can actually do things to be more spiritual. You really can't because you're already spiritual. You're already a spiritual being. It's the level of awareness of that spiritual nature that differs from one to the other. So what we're here to talk about is how to, in a sense, move into that space. So let me give you my journey. All right. So, you know, for me, uh, this process started in terms of, you know, I, I, in Jamaica, I grew up uh, with parents that were Christian. Uh, my mother changed um, denominations a number of times. My father stayed Catholic for his life. And uh, so I didn't really have any real foundation, strong foundation in, in it. But in Jamaica, you know, 99% of people are Christians uh, by religion. So, you know, uh, I got married. Uh, my wife is Christian. And I didn't even know about Muslims until I met a gentleman that was a Muslim who was a customer of ours. And then I learned about Muslims. Oh, they said there's another religion. So I wasn't even aware of um, multiple religions. And, I, I, and when I was growing up as well, you know, my mother sent me to church. She didn't take me to church, uh, sort of like mentoring me spiritually. I was just sent to church on a Sunday morning. And um, most times I'd walk to church by myself and come back. You know, when I was at church, I'd be in the back playing with, with, with young ladies <laughs> on, the, on the back bench, not listening to the pastor or what was being said, you know, and just going through the motions. So that, that, was, uh, that was up to uh, coming up into, you know, during my teenage years, there was not much of that. When I was in university, I picked up the Bible a few times, started reading it. Uh, didn't read much. So, you know, the, the point at which I started to pay some attention, uh, it was about 2006, 2005, I think 2005, 2005 thereabouts. And, uh, we, you know, we, we were having... Thanksgiving dinner at our home in Florida and you know family and friends came over we had this really big house you know mansion you'd call it um, you know a pretty big home it was we, we spent 1.7 million US dollars to build it in a luxurious community in Florida called Hawks Landing and you know we we're footballers basketball players you know and very wealthy people uh, lived in that community you know um, very few African-Americans lived in that community. There are a lot of Jews who were living in that community. So, you know, that's, we had some friends and, and, you know, family that were there for dinner. And, you know, one of, one of my um, friends, you know, family friends, uh, asked, you know, so Harry, you know, are, are you saved? I said, well, you know, um, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, okay, yeah. And I went on to explain if I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you know, and I said, well, um, I said, no, you know, and in fact, I've been going to church with um, Carolyn and, you know, the kids in Florida quite regularly. Uh, Christian churches, we changed a couple of different ones from time to time. You know, even when I was in Jamaica, I used to go with Carolyn to different churches and stuff. So, you know, so when he asked me this, I said, well, no, you know, and, uh, but I knew the terms of, of how to be saved. I knew what the contract was in the sense that you have to uh, you know, say this particular type of confession slash prayer. And um, so I started having a, uh, I was being, I guess, provocative that evening. And I said, well, you know, okay, well, just answer this for me because this, 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 you know, the thought came to me. What if I was born, um, by that time I learned a 
bit about other religions. I didn't know the details, but I learned enough about them. So I said, well, what if I was born in India? What if I was born in, you know, one of those countries where the, the guys are, you know, what would I be if I was in India? You know, so most likely I'd be a Hindu. You know, so what would, what would I be if, if I was in, in China? I would probably be a Buddhist. So, you know, I wear, how would I have had the opportunity to accept, you know, um, Jesus as Lord and Savior if I was born in those countries? And then, you know, he, um, you know, they were trying to say, well, you know, you have to do it by faith. And, and, and to me, it just didn't make sense. I'm a, I'm a logical thinking guy. So I, things need to add up. You know, it can't not add up. It needs to make sense. And I said, okay. So you're saying then, if I don't do what you're saying, I'm going to go to hell, right? And I said, to me, that's unfair. You know, how would a loving God send me to hell because I was born in the wrong place. So, you know, with that confusion now, uh, you know, it started off a conversation which took place for a while. And um, I even went to um, a conference that was called an apologetic conference. And at the apologetic conference, and, and what's apologetics? These are people who defend the Christian faith. They call themselves the defenders of the faith and they try to use... Um, dialectical reasoning and logic to defend the position of uh, what they put forward as to what we need to do to be saved. And you know, and I and I and I asked the question at the <laughs> conference, which I asked my friends. Um, so you know, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, why, why would you know whatever the reason is? And and you know, it, it, the gentleman couldn't answer. And then another gentleman who was on the stage with him got upset that I would dare ask such a question. And then, you know, that led me down the pathway of, you know what, uh, in my opinion, I believe that the Bible is a wonderful book, but it needed a fresh interpretation because I believe that you guys are just interpreting this incorrectly. And I went on to start my own study. And in the process of my own study, that's when I started coming across a lot. I mean, I had to study a lot. You know, I really, for, for me, I had to really get down. You know, I, I read over 100 different books. I'm still reading books. I've lost count now. Um, I've read the history of God, the history of religion. You know, I, I read several different books. I read, in, I went into the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedas, the Upanishads, um, Taoism, Taoism, the 81 verses of the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Uh, you know, I read some of the work that the Aztecs did. I've, you know, studied the Torah, look at it from the Jewish standpoint. You know, uh, I also, in understanding um, just various aspects of that, I studied the history of Christianity, how it developed, uh, what role Constantine played, the canon, when the, when the Protestants broke off and it became many different denominations and understanding you know, how Christianity ended up with over 36,000 different denominations and the various wars that took place between the Muslims and Christians over the years, you know, the different um, uh, <laughs> movements that took place, you know. Uh, so I, I studied a lot, and then I came into the Renaissance era, and I started finding books on new thought. I started learning about, uh, you know, the Enlightened Era, and, um, you know, really then understanding beings of enlightenment like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Moses, Apostle Paul, you know, several individuals, Elijah. There are so many great individuals over time, Zarasta, Kuan Yin, 
you know, Lao Tzu, Confucius. There's so many different ones, and today they're flowered. There are many, you know, Charles Fillmore, Ernest Holmes, and coming up to now to today, where you have a lot of people like Deepak Chopra, Michael Bernard Beckwith. There's lots of people in the world now that are enlightened, and that is causing a flowering or a mushrooming of enlightenment across the planet. So more and more people are becoming aware of the enlightened nature uh, because there's more evidence of what happens when you live from that place. Of course, for those who study the history, um, you know that Jesus was crucified because of his enlightenment. You know, he said he was the son of God. And, you know, the people at the time couldn't accept this and um, thought it was ridiculous that any man would, would dare say something so blasphemous. But today, you'd realize that if you're not saying you're son of God, you're really blaspheming. <laughs> so we've come a far away. Um, so I had to study a lot to be able to get to a, a theoretical understanding of my enlightened nature. And then, you know, I, when I got to understand the qualities of what enlightened nature was, over time, it, I became so desirous of becoming aware you know, I used to read different authors, and they spoke about, you know, being able to look up into this, to the sky uh, in the night and just feel at one with the planets, feel at one with the stars, you know, feel at one with everything, feel at one with everyone and being such peace and joy. And I could not feel that. You know, I couldn't feel it. I felt anxious, um, you know, nervous from time to time. Sometimes it's a little low, sometimes it's very high. You know, I, I, I just couldn't comprehend what they were talking about. You know, I was like, you know, these guys were lying. I literally thought that. I literally felt like, you know, there's no way that this is true. You know, I thought that just people were just saying these things and putting these things in books because I couldn't feel what they were talking about. You know, and I did some of the practices. Um, so I tried some different types of meditation. Uh, I, you know, I, tried, I went, I even paid money and I, and I went to, a, to do something called transcendental meditation. And transcendental meditation, you know, learning how to do these mantras. And, you know, I tried so many different things, um, you know, at the time, thinking that, well, you know, I would have become enlightened and experienced what they were talking about. You know, of course, I've been, you know, with uh, Agape for a number of years. And, you know, watching services, studying and listening. And, you know, over time, Seeking Enlightenment, I read several books. I read uh, Dr. David Hawkins, right? I read all his books, Power Versus Force, uh, you know, The Eye of the Eye, The Eye, Rel Relativity Versus Subjectivity. You know, some great books about the whole idea. But just didn't get to that point of experiencing that peace and joy that they spoke about. You know, learned the importance of affirmations. And I could clearly remember, you know, for me, it was one day I was, um, I went to a conference, a revelation conference of Agape. And, you know, I've never asked anyone in my entire life to pray for me or to pray, you know, for a breakthrough or to pray for a blessing or, you know, to pray for, for a marriage or anything of that nature. You know, I've never asked anyone to do that. And, you know, I saw, they, they said they had a prayer tent. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to this prayer tent, you know, uh, because I really wanted to, to, I got to that place of just an inner sense of anxiety. I just couldn't rest anymore. I, I was, I was just like, ah, man, I, I, I need this. I need to feel and know God the way 
it's been described. I need to know God where I understood that I'm theoretically at one with God and God is one with me. I understood the theory of it. I understood it from a theoretical standpoint, but I didn't know it inside my soul. I just knew it with my head. And knowing it with our head is not enough. Right? It is the knowing it with our soul, knowing it with our entire being. That's where the rest comes. You know, read all these great scriptures, you know. You will not rest until you rest in thee. There will be no satisfaction until you rest in thee. You know, and you know, whenever you have received him, you know, you will have eternal life. You know, all these scriptures that I read and understood, I couldn't materialize it. You know, and when Jesus said, I am one with you, you know, I'm one of the Father, and you know, you and I are one together, which means we're one of the Father together. And just couldn't really have that sinking because I, I wasn't knowing it inside my own being. So I went into the prayer tent and I asked, you know, the reverend there to pray for me. She asked her, what do you want me to pray for? I said, I want to, I want to become aware of my enlightened nature. I want to be aware. Now she prayed and I didn't feel anything that, that day. I didn't feel anything that night or the following day. But not too long after that, a calm came over me. A calm came over me. And then little by little, little by little, it's like a, a wellspring of life in my soul just burst open. It, like, it felt like life just started to just spew inside my being. And ever since that time, I started settling down. I started settling down in the sense of my awareness of that nature. I would continuous meditation and continuous affirmations, that aspect of myself has become more stable. And at this stage now, it is solid. My life, my in, the invisible aspect of myself, the Christ nature, the Buddha nature, the Atman, the God consciousness, the unified field of awareness, whatever term floats your boat, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, it says, when you have found it, you cannot name it. If you name it, you have lost it. So regardless of the name we use, if you don't know it, you will not have the peace that I'm talking about. If you don't know it, you will not have that joy that the world cannot touch and the world cannot take from you. You know, you, you know in, for those who read the Bible, you'll know that, you know, it's you just said there's a joy or there's a peace that I will give you that the world cannot take away from you. And that joy and that peace is what I'm talking about. And I, this is not conjecture, this is not hypothesis, this is not happy talk. This is not trying to say, I'm, happy, I'm amazing, I'm grateful, and then something happens and boom, you're down onto the floor. Or you say amazing and grateful because you're in public with other people, but when you're in private, then the true you comes out. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a state that, you know, uh, <laughs> man, you know, so, so those who have been mentoring... You know, and um, those who have, you know, there, there's one um, person who, you know, is completely stable now. And there are a few others who are, you know, in the process of becoming more aware of the enlightened nature that I've been teaching about meditation and affirmative prayer and learning these practices so that they can actually mature into that. And one of them said, man, she's so happy, right? She says, 
she feels suspicious <laughs> of her happiness. Like, is it fair for one person to be this happy? <laughs> I understood what she meant, you know, because I was there. I was remember, you know, is it going to go away? Is it something going to happen where one day you just, you know, where, where, the, where did the happiness go? You know, are you back to where the way things used to be? You know, I can assure you that those who, you know, go through this process, those who engage in this process, you know, those who take the time, right? You know, take the time to become aware of their enlightened nature. Man, I'm telling you, it is it is the pearl. You know, in, in, in the scriptures, it speaks about um, you know describing the kingdom of heaven, which is the same as your enlightened nature. That's another term you could use. When you are aware of the kingdom of heaven now, as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand now. And, you know, when you are aware of that kingdom of heaven nature, when you are aware of the kingdom of heaven being a state of consciousness, you will now understand and know it's a state of consciousness. And, you know, he said in a teaching, I don't remember the exact verse, you know, I oftentimes don't remember them. And he said in that verse, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's a, a merchant who is looking for pearls of great value. And he finds one pearl that is of such great value that he sells everything that he had and bought at one pearl. And that's the enlightened state of being. It's so valuable that when you find it, you, you will sell everything. You're not going to sell your stuff. You know? You're not going to sell your stuff in the world. That's, that's not what it's about. But it's to understand that it's so valuable that nothing in the world is as valuable as it. And when you're when you are physically alive and aware of that state, it changes the way you live. You know, I've been inspired now to start feeding people. There's a foundation that I'm putting together to take children off the streets along with one of my other partners who is also enlightened. And, uh, we, you know, we, are, we have also been attracting money to do it. You know, and, and the money is even coming to us without, without even going to ask for it, right? So the, those things are happening. And it happens because... That nature is miraculous. That enlightened state of being is miraculous on its own. And the miracles spring from that state naturally. It's not something that's under your conscious control. It's an aspect of yourself that's called your higher self, your God self. That aspect of yourself that is perfect. It's, it's wonderful. It's it's full of poise, confidence. It has everything that you ever need, could ever hope for. That's the aspect of yourself that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That Christ nature. So it's an aspect of our being that you can become aware of. And it's, it's there waiting for you to actually become aware of it. And that aspect of ourselves wants us to become aware of it. Wants to live through us. That aspect of ourselves wants to live as us, but it needs our permission. It cannot barge in on, on us. We have to work on ourselves over time to create the right conditions for it to blossom. It is there kind of like a seed, right? Kind of like a seed. And the seed needs the right conditions to germinate. And the right conditions... Right? There are seven spiritual practices which I mentioned in one previous talk that I did. And um, of course, the main practice that helps us to become aware of our enlightened nature is silent meditation. And I promised that I would teach on that topic in more detail. 
And I'll also do a practice of private meditation on our podcast. You know, one of the things that happens when you become aware of your enlightened state, you realize the importance of other people becoming aware of theirs. And that's what opens you up to wanting to teach others and share with others. You know, and, and I, for some time, right, I, I, in a sense, I was cheating in this sense, right? For some time I was cheating. I was cheating in the sense that, you know, when I became aware of my enlightened nature and I'm so stable, so strong, so peaceful, so joyful, and people would hear me say, you know, oh, Harry, how are you doing? And I'm doing amazing and grateful, man. You know, and, you know, my spiritual ego, my ego, you know, my spiritual ego took ownership of this enlightened state. And so as a result, when people ask me how I'm doing, I've, you know, my ego feels so good to know that, okay, well, I'm doing amazing and grateful. And I know you can't really say that. <laughs> so <laughs> my ego then starts to feel like, ah, oh, man, I got one on you, right? So... You know, as a, as a result of that, you know, I was hanging out in that space, but I was not telling anybody what I was doing that allowed me to be in that space. You know, and, you know, as we progress and I testify about my experiences, you know, some of the challenges that I had to go through was because I did not get, I did not open up to teach that. You know, one of the things that Jesus said in the Apocryphal, not the Apocrypha, he said it in the Gnostic Gospels. Right, Gnostic Gospels, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. And in the Gnostic Gospels, what he's reported to have said is that if you allow what is within you to come forth, it will save you. If you do not allow what is within you to come forth, it will destroy you. And, you know, and I started start, going through some challenges, you know, um, and I'm able to endure the challenges, but... You know, why, why, why do I have to deal with these challenges? And then what I recognized was that because I wasn't teaching, you know, life was trying to get my attention and I needed to share this information. You know, when we are to whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, much is expected. You know, and over time, my friends, I will help, you know, and I know the inspiration, the information that's flowing through me is not off me. It's by way of me. You know, I join with Jesus in saying it's not me that's doing the work. It's the Father within me that does the work, you see. That's why, for those who have ever seen me teach, I don't use any notes whatsoever. I don't use any references. The information just flows. And as I'm speaking to you today, it's just a straight heart conversation. It's coming directly from, the, from within my soul to you, from my heart to your ears, and hopefully to your heart. So my desire, you know, which I know the word desire, D-E-S-I-R-E, de means of, S-I-R-E means father. So one of the desires that's been placed in my heart, because desires, dreams, visions, they're not ours. They're placed there by the presence of God for the fulfillment of the higher purpose of us coming together to bring heaven to bear and live here on earth. Heaven and earth becoming one. We've heard about it in many different ways, and we are the ones who are responsible right now for bringing this prophetic word, so to speak, to pass. And how we're going to do that is by us waking up, waking up to our divine nature, waking up to realizing that you and I, each one of us, we're truly the apple of God's eye. We're truly sons and daughters of the Most High. We are created in the image and likeness of all the qualities that God is. 
And all of God is in us, as all of us is in God. Right? We are one with the presence. The presence is one with us. There's no distance. There's no separation except in the belief that it is so. And as we awake, as we arise, we will come to know that aspect of ourselves. So this call, the teachings that I'll do, the seminars, the workshops, all the various things that will unfold from my being is my part of doing what I should do to help us to become aware of that aspect of ourselves that nothing in this world can touch. And when you're that, when you're aware of that aspect of yourself, you change. The context of life changes. You no longer go into life feeling needy, wanty. You know, you no longer go into life feeling like you need to get something from life or life owes you anything. You know, move into life feeling filled to overflowing from within with the power and the presence and the love and the joy and the peace and the resourcefulness and the ideas. And you now go into the world to make a difference. You bring the qualities of, the, of God, of heaven, to the earth. So you no longer know, just look at life as overcoming challenges to try to find a comfortable way to live on the planet until you leave. No, we're here to change the status quo. We're here to change life and make it different so those who come after us have a higher plane of existence to live on. We are changing the vibration. We're raising it up. We're lifting it up. We're going into higher dimensions of being while we're in this physical body. And that's what enlightenment is about. You know, as someone, for those who may have known me when I was maybe in, for those who listen to me now who maybe knew me when I was in high school or knew me when I was living in Jamaica, you know, or knew me when I was in Florida, you know, you could, you could tell the difference. You know, as opposed to maybe someone who doesn't know, know me before and hears me speak now, but those who knew me before will know that, I, you know, this is not the same Harry that went to school. It's not the same Harry that, you know, was in Florida, ran the car business, right? It's not, it's the same voice, <laughs> but the context from which I'm living and speaking is different. The purpose is different. The goals are different. You know, and this is not, as I said earlier, this is not a, a religious movement in trying to get people to uh, walk lockstep and conform um, to some doctrine. This is for you to get to know the God of your heart, for you to have your own personal direct revelation of your life as an eternal life, here and now. You will come to know that you are an eternal being. You are a spiritual being. The words spiritual and eternal are the same words. And you will come to know that that is absolutely true about yourself. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You will know that death cannot touch you. You will know this. And you won't be theoretical. You will know it like you know you're hearing my voice right now. And the freedom... That comes with that. That's where freedom comes in. You will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You'll be free from inside. And nothing in this world, I mean nothing in this world, will stick to you. It will come upon you, it will just run off. <laughs> All right? Because you have made that secret place of the most high your habitation. My friends, you know, this is, a, this is just the beginning, <laughs> as I said. And um, I hope sharing that aspect of my journey with you has been a blessing to someone 
you know, in you making enlightenment a priority of yours, you know, making, becoming aware of your divine nature, your higher self, not to know it theoretically, but to know it for real so that you, you know that your life is more real than the, the instrument you're using to listen to my voice. You know that your life is more real than the door or the chair that you're looking on or sitting on. You'll know that you are eternal. You'll know. You'll know, you'll know, you'll know. So, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm fired up and excited, and, and I pray that this, this evening's talk or morning or whatever time of the day you are, wherever you are, was a blessing to you, right? So thank you very much for listening. And um, uh, next week, you know, we'll have uh, another talk. I'm going to go into another series of um, areas and aspects of what we need to do to actually deepen our awareness of our true nature and get to know our true self, all right? Get to know our true self like we know that you're listening to me right now. All right, God bless each and every one of you guys. You know, you are a powerful being filled with light and love and joy and peace and so much more that words could never ever describe. All right, next time. Bye for now.